Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Play-by-play call of the day, Jake Voracek gets it done for the Flyers. To get a change, at least Sam got up there. Now Voracek to steal. Voracek with the game on his stick. Deeks and he scores! Jake Voracek, the Iron Man. With a long shift in overtime, he's out of gas, but he's got the overtime game-winning goal. 5-4 is your final. Great call by Jim Jackson. And uh, the Flyers get a big win in our play-by-play call of the day. We were going to have the uh, call of the day be Julius Randle going after the officials after he thought it was a foul at the end, but this is, uh, you know, again, children listen to this show. No so, good! Uh, no good! No good! <laughs> that was yelled out at the staff meeting after the suit uh, put together the spring promotion. All right, uh, so... <laughs> Yeah, it could have been worse. And could have called the suit for a foul. <laughs> <laughs> I still take Julius Randle. Well, I have one of the one of my students. Their first, uh, their third assignment's a play-by-play assignment. So he did a Knicks game. I can't remember the Knicks were playing. Oh God! <laughs> so I wrote in the evaluation. I said, let's start with this. I said, you've done doc two letter grades because it was the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, he did a good job. He got an A minus on it. But I said, I started out by saying you've been doc two Brutal. letter grades because it's the Knicks. <laughs> I said, I thought you wanted to do a professional basketball team. <laughs> I have fun with these kids all the time, all this stuff. All the time. You have to, you know. Look, they've been through a lot. If you can't, and I'm seeing them face-to-face. That's the other part. I see them face-to-face. So I can kid around with them, laugh with them. And I think it's good for them. It's good for them. Um, I also think they get exponentially more out of it. They get, I mean, a much greater learning experience out of it. We can talk. We can converse. Go back and forth, you know, I, I, and I think it's good for them to get out into the world and see it. Um, it's just that's you know, I'm not going to say this is for everybody. It's you know this is just the way I do things. It's not it doesn't have to be the way somebody else teaches, but it's the way I do, and because I truly believe it's best for them. All right, 
time now for us to make a trip into the NFL. We'll get back to Micah Shrewsbury in a moment. But it is time now to bring in our NFL version of Yoda, Neil Kulon. Well, let's uh, let's get to it. Um, uh, when you look at, the, you know, what's the biggest problem they have? Is the cap room the biggest problem they have in all this? Is that, in the end, what really does them in from some of the options they had and didn't have? I Honestly, I don't think so because they can make the cap space if they want to. You know, you look at the salary cap in general, and I could go off for an hour about this topic alone. It, it's not as prohibitive as it's made out to be. People think that it is. The teams know how to work around the cap. They yes, just they do, do it when they want to do it. Right now, everything we're seeing at a 10,000-foot level strongly suggests this team is, is overhauling its entire roster. This season, it's, they're, they're never going to tell you they're not trying, that they don't want to win, but sometimes it takes a little bit to, to course correct and, and get things moving forward again. That's really what they're doing here. They don't have an offensive lineman or an offensive tackle signed for next year. That's not an accident. They didn't wake up this morning thinking that, oh, geez, we better sign somebody. They, they're aware of this. They only have 18 guys uh, signed for next season. 17, I'm counting DJ Finney. He only got a one-year contract. Uh, they don't have a center. There, there are all kinds of holes they have in their roster right now. Filer signed really, sign with the Chargers. Yeah. You, you lost Filer. You're going to lose Villanueva. Um, you, you, just your offensive line unit alone suggests we're going to patch some things together, but this is going to be a really young team at this time next year. They're, they're going to be going into the draft with probably 10, if not 11 draft picks. Um, they might trade and, and make some moves somewhere, but by and large, they're drafting their, their core. Their future is in guys who are not on the team right now. They're not going to go get them in free agency, and they're letting a lot of these guys walk. They absolutely could have signed Tyson Alulu to a, a, a six-year, uh, excuse me, a two-year, six million dollar contract. They easily could have done that. It would not have taken much for them to be able to do it. They're letting him walk. Why? Because well two years we probably don't want you because we're overhauling our team right now uh they're looking to get younger they need to find a quarterback notice how i didn't even mention that they, mm-hmm. i don't they don't have a quarterback signed for next year either right. so it, to me it, it's not a salary cap issue that is a convenient excuse they, they could clear up the space to go out and sign guys if they wanted to do that these aren't the guys that they want to sign they're not looking to add um you know, key free agents to a championship team right now. Their their eye is on building the, the future core of their roster, which is going to come through the draft, and not even just this draft. It's going to have to be next draft as well. Uh, I don't. They, they've probably got other moves planned. I think that the mid level market uh, in this free agency class is going to be good. And I, I think they could make moves then, but they're letting these guys walk, and I, I don't think they're planning to re-sign a bunch of players to take away the, the compensatory picks that they plan to get next year. And that that's going to be part of the core of the Steelers moving forward. Well, Bud Dupree, of course, is hurt. So he gets a five-year, $82.5 million deal with the Tennessee Titans. That's no surprise. Uh, but they re-signed Cam Sutton for two years. What did you think of that? I thought, it, it's it, to me, it was the move I felt was most likely for them to make. I, I, Cam Sutton is the best combination of probably affordable somebody that they want to invest in and young uh, a Lulu I think would, is a player that they definitely would have liked to have back but at his age do they want to invest a whole lot over two years probably not 
Uh, as far as Sutton goes, I think the key thing with him is how the, the deal is structured. I don't know what it is right now. Uh, I, I'm not sure of the structure of the, the, the $9 million over two-year contract that he, uh, that he signed. Um, I am going to guess, though, there's a roster bonus or something that's going to trigger around this time next year that kind of puts the, the second year up for some negotiation. And I think what the team is saying by that is we want to keep you – we're, we're interested in having you long-term. This isn't a great year for us to be able to spend on that. We're going to give you this for now if you want to stay. We're going to give you a roster bonus as, as part of this contract. And if we want to pick that up, we can pick it up and keep you on a one-year contract, and it's going to be probably $4 million. Or we can lump that in as part of a, a long-term extension uh, because you know the other two starting quarterbacks, by the way, are not signed for next year either. So they're going to need to pay somebody to play quarterback. I, I think Sutton is the guy to do that, but I really think this contract right now is a placeholder for next year more than anything. And if he does well, he does you know what they expect him to do, he'll get a, a long-term uh, agreement. And I also expect uh, them to negotiate with uh, Stephen Nelson to put something together to yeah. lock down the other cornerback position right. in the future as well. So there, there are moves still to make. I think Sutton's is really more like kind of a, think of it like a mid-year sort of thing. Um, we'll pay you. It's not going to be right now. We want to put you into this role because we're letting Hilton walk. Earn that. We have you signed for next year. We'll talk extension next season. I, I, I think that's probably what they're doing with him. And it's the right move. I, I think he's a good player. He's the, the type of cornerback. Uh, that this team tends to invest in. He's not going to be a top-of-the-market dollar kind of guy, but he can be a solid, productive player uh, for a team that really focuses what they do on their front seven. Uh, fans, for the most part, are not realistic pro and con when it comes to their own players. Uh, they're either too critical of them or so in love with them they uh, that they can't really properly evaluate where they are. Juju Smith-Schuster might be one of those guys. He is not a number one receiver. Now, he might be a very good 1A receiver, but he's not a number one. He's unsigned. Uh, To me, they got three guys that can step in and play for them right now. It's no big deal to me. But he's not a number one, contrary to what people believe. Just, uh, Just a fact of life if you're objectively looking at it. The main thing that, that Juju is number one at is probably polarization. I mean, there is the player that we've seen lately that it has, certainly in this area, has as hot and cold following as he does. Um, nobody's on the fence about him. You know, it, that's it's really true. It, it's that's true. They either love him or they hate him, and either way, the reaction is, is grossly overblown, in my opinion. I, I think Juju Smith-Schuster, and I, I we've talked on this show when he was drafted. I was a big fan of his. I, Same I here. Was huge on him coming out of college, and he's good. He's a good. NFL yes, receiver. he is. He's, he's a not good a player, one. but he's not, not a, a one. one. He's not yeah, a he's one. Not the type of. Well, how about this? You're you're going to have a, a, a really up and down, choppy season without a playoff win when he's catching 95 balls, let, or you don't have anybody else. Let doing me that. let me put it this That's way: what Juju is. If you think Mike Evans is a one, all right. Let's just do. You think he's a one, Mike Evans, of Tampa? Um, I mean, he look. He's uh, really good. Sure. Okay. I mean, it, it's, okay, but then if you're doing that, then you'd probably think Chris Godwin's a one A. Okay. Right, exactly. All right. That's that's kind of hey, the thing there. Chris Godwin and Juju Smith Schuster are not in the same category. I'd take Chris Godwin nine point eight times out of ten. 
Exactly. That's the thing. Juju will make the players around him, especially in the receiving core and the receiving room, better. But he's not a guy that you want to give the ball to 14 times a game. That, to me, if you do have a tangible definition of what a number one receiver is, it's targets. It's not catches. It's not production. It's targets. How often is this guy needing to get the ball? How, how much of a, a focal point of your game plan do you want him to be? Juju, he's not that kind of guy. He's not that type of receiver. But he's a really good one in many ways. He does little things away from the ball. No doubt. He's a good leader. Yep. Um, he, he, he has a good attitude. He works hard. You like all those things. You want to keep him. He's a guy that's, that's worth, in, in my opinion, about $16, $16.5 million. To me, when you're drafting quality receivers in the same round that you drafted Juju Smith-Schuster on a consistent basis, you're not paying any of them $16 million. It's not about Juju. It really has nothing to do with him. Um, Chase Claypool is, is much bigger. He's a better athlete in, in all respects. Uh, he is going to grow into the type of player that we have seen Juju be over the last four years, and that's a good thing. Will they pay Claypool? I don't know. It depends on, on how many more good receivers they're able to work into the NFL. That's right. Um, I, I, I think it, it'll be great for Juju because I think he's a good kid. I think he works hard, and you can win with a guy like him. I think it'll be great when he signs for a team that is not the Jets. I was really excited to see that they signed a receiver who wasn't Juju. Right. He can go somewhere and, and compete and be a good receiver if there are other weapons around him. He's not the guy you want to have to get the ball 14 times a game uh, to, to really maximize the value that he has. I think um, we just see now, too, that the Bengals are, are signing Mike Hilton, which is uh, kind of a surprise and kind of a bad thing. But as far as Juju goes, wrapping up on him, he's the type of guy that you would want to keep around uh, at, at a better price. But there are teams that are going to say, well, you know what, he's worth $2 million more to me than he is to you. That gets his number up to probably about mm-hmm. sixteen. I, right. I think it, it's not that he's not worth it. It's just that, that's the price you pay in retail. Internally, I don't think the Steelers would even value him above 12 or 13 So uh, he, he's going to get money, and, and good for him. I hope he wins. I really do. All right, so when you look at the free agent, the Steelers have always been okay at this part. I mean, a long time they really were very late participants in this part, the free agent part. Who do you think the targets might be in here for the Steelers? Because, you know, they'll lose guys. I mean, Villanueva, it's it's iffy on him coming back. Uh, Where should they be going? Um, I don't know. That's a good good start. (laughs) That's the thing. Um, I don't think they have a wrong decision because pick pick a pick a spot. You know, you can go anywhere at this point. I mean, they're 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 hemorrhaging players now. Yeah. Um, they don't have the draft picks to recoup a lot of this, so you you understand they are going to sign people, but it's really going to be um, it, not the level of player that, that we've been used to. Um, they're really kind of setting up for a, kind of a, a, a tough roster uh, this season. Um, I say that in wake of the name guys signing elsewhere. Uh, let's see who does not sign in free agency to see who they want to bring in. I really think what they want to do is not hold a whole lot over into next year. Some guys they want to keep around for next year, but by and large, I think they would like uh, to get through a, a cap-reduced year and get into – a much higher cap with a wide open roster where they can spend and they can really start to build and develop the players that they want for the future. And the, the compensatory pick process is going to be a part of that. Now to balance that out, 
uh, every time you sign a guy in free agency, this period of free agency, not a guy that was cut, um, your your the value of your compensatory formula goes down. If somebody that you let go signs somewhere else, it goes up. So you have to balance it uh, to the point where you're maximizing the most picks that you can get, which is four, um, in in the highest spots that you can get. Right now, just my really bad math and understanding of the system, they probably have two threes and a five for the guys that they've lost, and they they need to go out and sign other players as well. So if they can get three picks out of a maximum of four next season, anywhere between three, four, and five, uh, you're you're looking at a substantial upgrade along with the ability to trade and and try to get, you know, some premium types of players. Um, All of that said, the direction, I think, is really going to be kind of what the market tells them to do, and I I think they're going to wait for that. I think they're going to wait and see which players are not going to sign in all of this. Um, There may be guys out there that want a long-term deal and say, you know what, I'm not going to get it, I'll sign for one year. And, you know, duck when I say this because I'm sure I'm going to get hit for it, Juju might want to sign a one-year contract, and he might want to play in Pittsburgh for $10 million. Maybe they want to make that happen. I don't know. Um, They're going to have options beyond the legal tampering period right now. There are going to be players um, who probably wouldn't be available to them previously that will take a lower deal with the idea of cashing in next year, but they need to find a job for this year. I think they believe that market is going to be there, and I think that's probably something you're going to see into April, if not after the draft. So there's a long way to go in free agency. A guy like Mike Hilton, who, again, just signed with the Bengals, is going to sign with the Bengals, apparently. Right. Um, he was not expected to be back. We, we really shouldn't have expected Bud Dupree to be back. There's no reason we should have thought Bud Dupree was coming back. Um, I, I would... Most of, for the most part, I would say the same thing about Mike Hilton. I don't think Mike Hilton was coming back. Um, Tyson Alulu was on the fence. I'm not sure if we yeah. really thought he was a sure thing or not. I didn't think uh, Matt Filer was going to be back. Right. Um, he signed for a bit more than I thought he would. The team really wants him as a tackle, and good for him. Um, these are all players that were, I, I don't want to say expendable, but you know, the anticipation was that they were going to depart. So a lot of comp picks are going to be coming back, and that's really going to build where this team is going to go. Um, what that's going to look like, I don't know. It's going to be a crazy year. Um, we, we've talked about this before, too. They, they've turned over a huge amount of their coaching staff. Basically right. everything under the coordinator position has been changed yeah. uh, either this this offseason or last offseason. Um, we saw the extension for Kevin Colbert, but that goes through the draft next year. Maybe he's retiring then. Uh, they're, they're, they're looking to overhaul a lot of things. and I, I think they're keeping it open to a certain degree on purpose. It's going to give them flexibility in the future. How would you handle running back, Neil? Oh, that, that's such a tough thing to say right now. I mean, for me, um, I think... I mean, would you... Would you... Back, would you try to retain Connor? Would you try to find another running back in this segment of it? Would you maybe in the third to sixth round draft one? How would you handle that? I, I might go higher than that, to be honest with you. I might look at it in the first round. Really? Um, like a Najee Harris you, or somebody like that? Yeah, at some point you need players here. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, let's be honest. <laughs> the offense is not exactly brimming with talent um, at certain positions, and they are a, a glaring deficit. 
their running backs are are brutal. It might be the worst combination of running backs they have in the NFL, and it's not for lack of trying. They've drafted that position constantly in the same spots. Like, well, continue doing what you're doing. You're going to keep getting what you're getting. So, I don't know how many Benny Snells you want to have on your team, but it's not right. helping you out a whole lot to have one. No, I, I don't know why you'd think having two is going to make a difference. Yeah, I um, there. I, I forget who it was. Somebody talked about. Um, uh, Kenyon Drake being a, a possible fit for yeah. the Steelers. I mean, they just drafted Kenyon Drake. Okay, Kenyon Drake has bounced around the league. He's been somebody that, that fantasy players get excited about here and there. He's not yeah. a difference maker guy. At what point are you going to get a difference making running back? And James Conner had flashes of of quality play. We've seen it, but then usually he's out for five games after it. Right. You can't rely on him anymore. Agreed. You know that that's going to be the end of him. I you, you can't. You're just not going to rely on him anymore. At some point, you got to bite the bullet and get somebody in there that, that you feel can be a three-down player, can be consistent. I'm not saying he needs 350 carries. I'm not saying you need to bring back power-eye football. I'm just right. saying get a player in the backfield. You did it with the receivers, and after you get a player in the backfield, get a tight end. Find some guys that can play consistently within whatever style of offense you want to play. And that, that's what they don't have. And I, I'm not you know, accusing them of anything. I think some things made logical sense and didn't work out. Like I said with Connor, we've seen him play well. He just he can't stay healthy. They can't really plan for that. So you you see why they make the moves that they make. But uh, to to a to a certain point I think they have so many holes. It, you could probably pick four or five position groups and say we could take a first round we could take a guy in the first round at one of these positions. Running back would be one of them. And I think there's a very, very strong bet at twenty four uh, running back is going to be the best player among those groups available for the Steelers. Right. So it, it might just be the, the strongest all-around decision that they can make. Um, and I'm not talking about you know giving them a, a $60 million contract. I'm saying draft them 24 overall. There's a lot of guys that don't do anything in the NFL at 24 overall. The running backs who are going to be there are going to be players if you give them the ball. Yoda, another strong performance. <laughs> it's a crazy day. I'm glad I could keep up. I'm barely awake. I, I've uh, I've barely slept and barely taken my eyes off of two screens for the last day yeah. and a half. Oh, I've slept, but I've also had a crazy crazy 24 hours. So <laughs> it's been a little. There we go. It's here's, been it's been interesting around here the last couple of days. So, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Here's to here's to calming down and getting some rest. Yeah. My friend, thanks so much. Uh, one of these days we'll meet up and uh, we'll enjoy a refreshing beverage. Definitely. I had a plan out, out to, to get out that way, actually. Uh, this summer I had some things going on. I was going to see if you guys were around. We should, uh, we, should look, we should hook up. Absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to it uh, very much. I will even let the producer come along. He actually, despite you know the constant criticism that he gives me all the time, he's actually a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. We'll we'll uh, we'll kick it around. Thanks, Neil. Uh, uh, I thought it was a strong endorsement of you, Matt. I really did. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows what it's like to sit in this chair and be brutalized by you every day. <laughs> Lisa, Luke, and I were bonding because of your brutal. <laughs> As long as none of us are with the Eagles, you're awfully nice. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Camp, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Not in the portal, I'm telling you. <laughs> You're still stuck with me. Me neither. I'm still here. The uh, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street at Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kid. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Last time we had Rob on the show, uh, it was under... Not, uh, I would say awful circumstances because we were talking about the death of Larry Clisby. Far more pleasant circumstances where I'm going to convince Rob to tell Micah Shrewsbury I'm a decent guy. All right, so <laughs> it's up to you, Rob, to save me, babe. All right, so <laughs> welcome you, back, uh, Rob. You say, welcome back, you know, Rob. Yeah, look, it depends on from what angle you're approaching this story from Penn State. Obviously, this is a this is a pleasant uh, pleasant greeting between you and I. From a Purdue standpoint, uh, maybe not so much. We really hate the fact we're losing Micah Shrewsbury. That guy's a hell of a coach. You guys are getting a really good one in him. I can promise you that. Yeah, you know what's interesting about it? I'm going to get to him uh, overall in a moment, but personality-wise, I've always had the impression this was a bridge builder and not a bridge burner. Yeah, that's uh, that's very accurate. Um, I, a matter of fact, I I can't think of one person I've ever heard say an ill word about Micah. To be honest with you, and he's been with us not once but twice. Uh, he was he was on the staff for uh, oh my gosh three or four seasons, and then left to be an assistant with the Boston Celtics, and then came back and has been with us for the last two years. And yeah, both stints when he's been uh, at Purdue, I, I can't think of anyone that's had a negative thing to say about him, and he. He is a bridge builder. That's an excellent way to put it. I had not thought of it that way, Steve. But, uh, yeah, he's really good at building those relationships. And uh, even with guys like you and I, uh, you're going to find he's a really enjoyable guy to work with from a from a radio broadcast perspective, just from an overall media perspective. Um, he's probably not as polished as most when it comes to that kind of stuff, only because his head coaching uh, uh, duties over his career have been very slim. Uh, mostly at the smaller school level. So, but yeah, it's uh, I'm a little long-winded here, but you're exactly right. Bridge Builder was a very good way to put it. Uh, he's also a relationship guy, uh, very much 
I mean, that's how he builds around him is is that he tries to build strong relationships. Would that be fair? I think that is fair, and certainly from a player perspective, you know how important that is. And it certainly doesn't hurt that he does have that NBA uh, uh, pedigree, um, having coached at that level. Um, look, you you and I both know that every single high school kid that shows up on your campus thinks he's going to the NBA, which is fine. There's yep. nothing wrong with that. But the truth of the matter is most of them are not. Uh, but it certainly doesn't hurt when you're giving your recruiting spiel and, and the high school superstar is is uh, you know thinking about uh, his post-college career and he thinks he's going to be a professional and he is a guy in his living room who's coached at that level and has coached at the highest level and coached some of the greatest players uh, uh, that the NBA has seen in the last 10 years. So, yeah, no, no question about that. Recruiting is a strong point for him from that particular perspective that you're approaching it. Uh, and he, you know, we some of our better uh, recruits that Purdue has gotten here in the last handful of years can uh, be directly attributed to Micah Shrewsbury. Um, you may remember we had a young man by the name of Vincent Edwards. Uh, actually, oh, his yeah. older brother played at, played at Penn State. Uh, Bill, I think, was his first yeah, name. Yeah, he did. He um, did. Yeah, so Vince was a really big pickup for us. Uh, came out of, uh, of Ohio. Uh, Ohio State was really on him, as were some other schools in that general area, big-time schools, and, and he ends up at Purdue uh, because of Micah Shrewsbury and that relationship he built. And Vince went on to be an all-conference player for us. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's really good in that aspect, uh, certainly from a recruiting standpoint as well. Uh, he, of course, he went with Brad Stevens to Butler. Eventually, now he had, had two stints at Purdue. I think he was more on the defensive side the first time. Now he's the offensive coordinator. In uh-huh. his time with the Celtics, he obviously is going to pick up NBA concepts, just like Juwan Howard did all those years in Miami and the places that he was at. Do you notice right away those NBA concepts in how Purdue plays now compared to before he got there? I do, mainly, uh, and of course you mentioned it, in this stint with Purdue, he's been an offensive coordinator. That's been kind of his specialty. And uh, and Coach Painter does let him run the offense, um, which I think is pretty cool that a head coach would give that type of of, uh, of of rope to an assistant. But anyway, yes, you'll really notice it, Steve, on the offensive end with a lot of uh, a lot of two-man game where they're, where they're empty out one side of the floor and and it's really just, you know, literally it's two-on-two uh, against man-to-man defenses. Um, Purdue has had a lot of success uh, these really the last two years, but this year especially playing a lot of empty side, two-man game stuff. And the other thing where he's really excelled, and I, I you know, I didn't know this about him until really paying attention these last two years, he's excellent at draw, drawing up inbounds plays from, uh, from baseline inbound plays through the basket plays. Um, I couldn't tell you how many wide-open looks Purdue has gotten this year on baseline inbounds. And we're talking like wide-open layups right at the rim where you you find yourself thinking, how did the defense get so confused that they leave a guy wide open under the basket on a baseline inbounds play for an uncontested layup or dunk? Uh, Purdue's had numerous had that happen to him numerous times this year. And, again, that's the Micah Shrewsbury just bringing some of those different wrinkles from the NBA that – that we don't see quite as much at our level uh, that that he implements and and they work uh, obviously so I think that's where you'll see it the most like I said more two man game stuff on an empty side uh, on the offensive end but I think where you're really going to be impressed Steve is, is for the Penn State fans is is uh, baseline inbounds uh, out of bounds plays I don't I, again I don't know how he does it but he somehow finds a way to get a guy wide open under the basket it seems like every game. It may be NBA concepts. And he t- he's talked about, you know, 
layups, free throws, three-pointers. I mean, we know that. I mean, that's how Alabama plays, Nate Oates plays that, that way. But he also is a big believer in post-touches. Now, admittedly, it's a little easier when it's Travion Williams. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But he is a believer in that. That is a part of what he wants to do. That's why Zach Eady and Travion Williams have been as effective as they've been, Rob. Yeah, and that's the Matt Painter influence there, right? That that's Coach yeah. Painter all the way, as you well know. In the sixteen years he's been at Purdue, if there's one one consistent, it's that Purdue's always had a really good low post presence. And uh, yes. and not only have they had a really good low post presence, but they have featured that uh, that player uh, predominantly in the offense. Uh, literally every time down the floor, the big guy gets a touch. So, yeah, that's you'll see a lot of that too, uh, with with a lot of emphasis on throwing the ball into the big guy. Uh, but that I don't know if that's as much Micah influenced as it is Matt Painter influenced. I think that's that's where Coach Painter will have a big influence on him as a as a head coach. Well, Matt Painter should have an influence. That to me, he is the single most underrated coach in this conference. Has been since the time I got here. I don't think he gets in in a profession that gets either torn down or pumped up a lot. Matt Painter is, to me has never been talked about enough. And anybody, yeah, part of that. You know, and yeah, you know, you're right. Around him. I think you're That's fair. That's his personality. Yep, exactly. I was about to say, it's, it's per, his personality does not lend him. Uh, probably doesn't do him any favors in that particular uh, that particular realm of, of having a lot of attention and hoopla about him just because he's such a down-to-earth, just a regular old guy that just happens to coach basketball. Right. Um, um, so that, yeah, and that's, that's uh, you know, as much Matt as – uh, has anything, but I would agree. He, he is in uh, there. Saw a great uh, just to kind of rub it into our our big rivals, Indiana University. I saw a great tweet uh, yesterday that uh, Purdue had one coach over the last 16 years, and in that same time frame, Indiana has fired four different coaches. Uh, so Purdue had the stability, obviously, with Matt Painter, and uh, and it's it's paid off because they they won an awful lot of games with him coaching. Uh, in fact, Archie Miller never beat Purdue. Uh, that's right. So, Win- winless, yeah. That's yeah, right. Winless against him. Um, also, the, there's another part too on the personal side. And he's a family man, and uh, you know, I know you've been around his family, four children. It's you know, it's uh, also part of the personality of Michael Shrewsbury. Yeah, and uh, again, that's a lot of Purdue influence too, um, and, and Brad Stevens. You know, Brad Stevens is like that as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Brad is uh, Brad and Matt Painter are very close friends, have been for years, and so they they actually had a little bit of fun with that when Mike was bouncing back between Brad and Matt on which which yeah. staff he was going to be on. Uh, I can promise you, there were no hard feelings there because, as I said, they're good friends. But yeah, it's um, and it's just kind of how. Things are done under Matt Painter, and it's now things are done under Brad Stevens, and, and Micah fits that mold perfectly. And yeah, it's uh, he's a family first guy. And I will tell you this: I don't know how much research your uh, your local high school uh, area basketball coaches have done, but uh, but Coach Shrewsbury has a hell of a talented 2023 son <laughs> who plays a two guard. Who uh, I don't know again. I don't know what high school he'll end up when he moves uh, into end up at at State College, but whoever gets him. Uh, this guy can play a little bit. Speaking of family, he's, his son is named Great. is uh, Braden. Yeah, so <laughs> now you have now, can, now you have we can start now you have real estate early. people battling. Now you have real estate people battling. Go to Belfont. <laughs> go to Penns Valley. Go to State. Right, now <laughs> you got I mean. that going on. Rob, way to go. Uh, way to go. Uh, <laughs> I, I can uh, only assume that recruiting is illegal at the high school level in Pennsylvania. Uh, but uh, if it's not, uh, let the bidding war begin because he's a hell of a player. <laughs> uh, 
you've got North Texas in the opening round on Friday night at 7.30. And Mike is going to coach, and he's going to be on the sideline and coaching in the game. So uh, give us a little preview of the matchup with North Texas. Uh, for the most of the fans around here, the only thing they know about North Texas is Joe Green played there. Yeah, the old mean Joe Green. And uh, when you know it, their their school nickname is uh, uh, is the Mean Green, although mean they green. claim that has nothing to do with Mean Joe Green. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, they uh, you know it's um, they really are. I know when it, when you play a thirteen and you're a four, you're supposed to say, "Well, it's a dangerous matchup," because that's what you're supposed to say. But I'm telling you, Steve, this this group's actually really pretty good. They have six seniors or redshirt seniors, which always makes you a little leery uh, when you play big yes. majors. And a right in a tournament level that have that type of experience because these are guys that have been there, done that, um, and they also have a legitimate big guy, which as you well know, you don't typically see at the mid-major level. They have a six-ten player who is a senior, thousand-point uh, career scorer, seven hundred uh, rebounds in his career, uh, been starting since his freshman season. He's a legit six-ten big guy, which again you rarely see at the mid-major level. So. They can certainly give Purdue fits again with their experience and the fact they have actually a legitimate big guy that can you know can play in the post. Uh, and they have the conference player of the year from uh, in the backcourt, uh, who's also a redshirt senior who averages about 15 points a game. So they do have that going for them. Uh, the other thing they have going for them, Steve, is they're very good defensively, uh, top yeah. 15 in the country in points allowed. I think they only allow like 61 points a game, something like that. And they play a very slow pace. They have one of the slowest paces. Uh, in, in college basketball, so they're not a they're they're a very deliberate team and they're a very patient team, and again that can that can give a ball club fits obviously in a tournament situation. So uh, the, yeah, these guys are legit, um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to. I'm just from what, what well, research no, I've done on them, they're they're pretty good. You know what, Rob? Though, but this is the part that I think a lot of people forget. North Texas won the conference USA tournament. That's how they got in. Hey. They're winning right now. They're confident. They think they're pretty good. That's because they are. And I think you people discount that sometimes when yeah, when, when know, they look at it. You're a champion for a reason, right? And and they, you know, they were the third seed out of their division. Yes. They break it up yep. into East West, and they were the third seed in the West. So it's not like they were, you know, the number one seed and they just roll over everyone. That was not the case at all. Uh, they got hot at the right time, literally, um, as a third seed coming out of the West Division to win the whole thing. Um, so, yes, they are a confident group. And, again, when you have six seniors or redshirt seniors playing with confidence uh, and you know you're the underdog, you know you have nothing to lose, all of a sudden you become an awfully dangerous ball club. And I'm, and I'm afraid that's what they're going to be on uh, Friday night. Well, you know what? North Texas ought to be worried. Purdue's a pretty good basketball team. You guys are rock solid fundamentally. Jaden Ivey's a little different look than what North Texas has been seeing in Conference USA. All right. <laughs> My friend, thank you so much. Enjoy Lucas Oil Stadium again. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, let's, uh, let's see what can happen with this. I think you guys are in pretty good shape the first couple of rounds. Good luck to you. Thank you, Steve, and uh, I'm telling you, you're really going to enjoy uh, Mike, uh, his wife, Molly, and their family. You guys are very fortunate to have them at Penn State. You're really going to enjoy him. I, I can promise you that. No, cannot wait to work with him. I think he's going to be great for this program, and it's going to be great between Penn State and Purdue as the years go by. I agree. I agree. Thanks, Rob. Okay, Steve, thank you. You too. Rob Blackman, play-by-play voice at Purdue.
We'll come back, wrap up this broadcast extravaganza in just a few moments. Any uh, parting uh, shots for the suit? Nah, he's here. I don't know if I take that as a good sign. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at Sunbury Motors. Dot com. As you've seen, six, uh, six, and it's, you know, actually in the beginning, I think a lot of people realize Patrick Kelly's name is also in the transfer portal. So it's seven guys in the transfer portal, but six in the last uh, 12 hours. Um, they all are keeping their options open. That's what they're doing. Does it mean they're all leaving? No. Could they all leave? Yes. Could they all stay? Maybe. Could some possibility? I don't know, um, but they're keeping their options open. You're talking about, you know, players looking around saying this is their third head coach in five months. Uh, now, this has nothing to do with Micah Shrewsbury. He is now the person that will be in that chair. That is now the person that is the face of Penn State basketball. He is the attitude of Penn State basketball. I think what would really help him a lot is to actually, instead of Zoom, be face-to-face with these players and just talk to them. So they get a chance to know him. He knows them as basketball players. He's had to scout them. So he knows them as players. Because you're talking about, by all accounts, Micah Shrewsbury is just a super guy, by all accounts. And I can tell you on that the names that are in that transfer portal, those are terrific guys. So maybe somebody that's, by all accounts, a terrific guy ends up meeting some of the guys that I think are terrific guys. They may be able to forge a bond. But they have to be able to meet and talk. And not just on a Zoom call. 